Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories, from breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings. It's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also absolutely love hearing from you, so please do contact me through Instagram at mumsdays, M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S, with any of your stories um, and any thoughts you might have on the episode or any questions. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. This episode contains discussions of domestic abuse, sexual assault and childhood sexual abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah. And today I'm joined by Ree Pearson, who is responsible for an amazing campaign called Be Kind, No Excuses. And it's a guide to help teenage girls recognise abusive behaviours in intimate relationships. And this is something I've been thinking about for quite some time, uh, because basically these patterns in relationships are happening all the time. And I keep thinking, why are we not taught this at school? Like, why do we have to learn it in our 40s, basically? So, hi, Ree. Hello. (laughs) We'll try and keep this down to uh, a length of podcast episodes that is suitable, but I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, And would you mind giving me a bit of background um, as to how you've basically come to what you're doing now because I know okay well I'm a retired police officer when I was a police officer I worked for Northumbria police for 27 years but I was a single mum for a long time I've got three children they're now technically adults whether they are actually adults is another thing (laughs) um so I was single for a long time and I live at the seaside and children have at the seaside have expensive hobbies like kayaking (laughs) and I needed additional income so I always had what we would call a side hustle and as part of that side hustle I was a member of a business network and when we went into the first lockdown we were on a zoom call instead of meeting you know you have the monthly meetings and we were on a zoom call and they were panicking. I mean, we all were. If you think back to the very beginning, we were mm-hmm. like, what's happening? We're locked in the house. We can't go anywhere. What's happening with my business? What's happening with my staff? And it was a very frightening time. And the first Zoom call, they were really flapping. And I was like, I'm not coming off this call without something positive yeah. coming out of it. And I said, well, in the time that you've put your baby down, because essentially if you're a self-employed person, your business is your baby, isn't it? Yeah. What are you going to do? you know, you're going to take this time and do something positive. And they were thinking, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go out that hour we're allowed out of the house. Mm-hmm. Can you remember that? Can you ma- imagine them trying to get us to do that again? No. Uh-huh. Um, so that I'm going to go, so I'm going to do learn how to do Nordic walking, or I'm going to go on YouTube and learn how to paint with watercolours, and I'm, you know, I'm going to go back to my knitting, or, you know, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And I said, well, I have got a book in the back of my mind, because I worked strategically with domestic abuse as well as on the front line. And I had this book in the back of my head about how the pattern of relationships seemed to me to show red flags really early on mm-hmm. when you start dating somebody. Yeah. There are things you can see 
in their attitudes and not just towards you but towards others mm -hmm. and I thought well if I create that book and have that published then then I'll just go back to bed and that'll be done and that'll be my contribution <laughs> but it was all it had been in the back of my head for about 15 years so a month passed and we're back on the zoom call because we're still in lockdown and the, everybody's saying oh and I've done this and I've done that and da 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 and they said, well, how's the book coming on? And I was like, what book? And because I've got MA, <laughs> and sometimes I do, I say things and I'll meet people and I forget. And yeah. I'd completely forgotten that I'd said it. Oh. And they said, well, you were going to write this book. And I was like, oh, yes, so I did. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and then things started to happen because what I wanted, uh, I wanted true stories. I didn't want to just spout loads of statistics about how many women are killed every week and how many women are killed on the planet and what the statistics are, blah, blah. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to make it stories because I wanted it to be aimed at a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Because in my experience, bearing in mind that I was a police officer and dealing with abuse when it's at crisis point, and mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of abuse and probably 1% of it gets called in to the police. So I was dealing with that crisis point and that was in my experience, all male perpetrators. There were male victims, but it was all male perpetrators. So I wanted to direct it at teenagers, but I wanted to tell them stories. And then I had stories and women drop into my email and into my messages on social media saying, please, would you tell my story? Mm -hmm. So off the back of that, we have five true stories. Now, a lot of women started writing but it's re-traumatizing yourself through a very bad time and a lot of them couldn't do it. A lot of them, although they're anonymous, a lot of them said, if I write my story, my family will know it was me. Yeah. So they couldn't put that in the book. I had a lady whose ex-husband was sent to jail for abusing their pets, killing their dog, mm. and she couldn't write her story. It was just too traumatic for her. So it, we ended up with five. And but there the are five, so many more, right? Well, there are just... Yeah. I did a book launch on Tuesday night and every woman who was at that event had a story to tell. Mm -hmm. Mostly about themselves. Because it's just... It's, it's, it's actually normal. normal. I was going to say, it's more it's pervasive than we could ever realise. And we don't talk about it. And that's why we need to talk about it with teenagers when they are forming their first relationships now I say intimate relationships by intimate relationship I mean boyfriend girlfriend boyfriend boyfriend yeah. girlfriend boyfriend and everything else mm -hmm. and parents don't like me using the word intimate so I say when they start dating because they don't like you don't want to think of your teenager having an intimate relationship but I'm, what I mean from from that is not a familiar one not a brother or a sister or a cousin yeah. or yeah so a dating type relationship and yeah. they need to see what those early signs are because of the five brave women in that book four of them were teenagers when they met their perpetrator to be and every one of them within an hour of meeting their perpetrator there was a red flag mm. because it's an attitude and it's spotting that and i i think there's something um romanticized about being in these relationships like there are songs in the charts right now yeah. about 
I'm in an unhealthy relationship and I like it. Yeah. Is that I one about yeah. I keep running through red flags? Or yeah. there's that Shania Twain song yeah. with, I can't remember who it's with, but they talk about... It's with Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, yeah. <laughs> Even if it kills me, you'll You're, always be my man. Yeah. Like, yeah, what the actual fuck are we trying to teach our kids here? Yeah. And this is popular music. Mm-hmm. This should be ashamed of themselves, and I love Shania Twain. I do. I do. And I'm like, what is it? But it's catchy. But and you find yourself singing yeah, it. you find yourself... But you, there are have been songs for, for generations. Yeah. There, there's a song about... Um, where he he goes to the dad and says, "Can I ask for her hand?" And the dad says, "No." And he and then the guy's like, "Well, I'm going to ask her anyway." <laughs> and I just think, two men, two men, Deciding treating her, her treating her like a possession. Mm-hmm. And that was just a couple of years ago. There are lots of, you know, you'll you'll never find someone who loves you as much as I do. That's, yeah. a, that's a line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love you so will. much, but of I'm course also you will, because you're you're an idiot. Get away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like we're taught that this roller coaster is what love is about. Romance. If you want to mm. be in love, it has yeah. to be Dram- drama, dramatic, traumatic. It has to be painful. You know, it has to be so amazing that it hurts. And that's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like if, it, if you're with a nice person, also. you've got to, You've also got to remember that. Um, people who come from dramatic families where drama is the normal they will then go on to bond and want that that's their normal yeah that's what feels so I wouldn't, safe I'm in not, the brain yeah i'm not criticizing them for that because that's what was they modeled brought up to see and mm-hmm. that's what they think is all right that's what they think's expected mm-hmm. of them so if you've got somebody who's drama meet somebody who's come from a calm family where her family is drama drama and that's what she thinks he expects and he's been traumatized by her drama (laughs) and you think what on earth is going on (laughs) but it's romanticized by hollywood it's romanticized by tv i mean ross geller chased rachel green for 10 years we yeah. watched that for 10 series, didn't we? And I love that program. Uh-huh. Um, things like Love Actually, where he turns up at the door with the with the cards because he can't say it out loud because her husband's in the next room because he's in love with her. If somebody and turned that's why up, he's a dick to her all the time. If if somebody turned at my house with these flashcards telling that me they're on down love and that was my husband's best friend, I would be phoning the busies. Uh, that's horrific, but that's Love Actually, one of the f- most famous Christmas movies of all time. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I blame the Brontes. The Brontes? Yeah. Oh, fucking hell, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, rich man, not so wealthy woman, they don't get along. Suddenly everything's fine. I love you, let's get married. Oh, okay then. I mm. will possess you. But at the, I mean, at that time, women literally did own Women were owned yeah. by their fathers and then they were owned by their husband. Yes. So we're so still going through the process of the, Brontes, of by the, the fallout. Way. Oh, yeah, yeah of I course. Do. Absolutely. Just got uh, Anne Bronte that I've never read. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we're unlearning all of this stuff yeah, that was insistent upon the, pa- the patriarchy. Yeah. The ownership. And, and it's gone on for such a long time now. I think it's genetic in most men. And they and need women. to be... 
and I mean, there's internalized misogyny in women as well. Mm-hmm. It needs to be un- unlearned, and men need to be protected from the patriarchy because men are suffering too. Yeah, and the responsibilities on all of us are to protect our children. I mean, I'm not here. I've got three kids, and my job is when they were teenagers, and one of them still is. My job is not to judge them on the mistakes they make. We we criticize our teenagers. Teenagers are programmed to seek attention. That's what they do. It's in their DNA. And then we criticize them for that. I'm not there to judge my kid for making mistakes because, God, I've made mistakes. I'm surprised I'm not dead. I know, know, same. When I look back at when I was 14, 15, I think, oh, my goodness. If my daughter did that, what? But So how are you educating your kids then? Are you talking them through what you did? Very open, very honest conversations about absolutely everything. Yeah. Because my job is to safeguard them, not to judge them. Mm Mm-hmm. If you, and I hear this all of the time, and it's horrendous, so here's a trigger warning, okay? Yeah. We talk about rape. Okay. Many young women have come to me and said they've been raped. And the circumstances were, they went out with somebody that their parents told them not to go out with, with, or went to a party their parents told them they weren't allowed to go to. And they got themselves into a situation where they couldn't get out of it. Because they couldn't phone their parent because mm-hmm. their parent would kick off. I asked you not to go. I, said I you told not you not yeah. to go. You're grounded. And well, grounding is a whole different conversation. Like, what the hell? But parents reacting in a way that is unsafe for their children, even though the parents think, well, I told him, and I'm, you know, I'm the person, I'm the disciplinarian, I'm in charge. Well, actually, your job is to safeguard your kid. Yeah. So I always said to mine, you will go to places and you will do things that I have told you not to and I disagree with. But if you find yourself in a situation where you're frightened, where something's happening that you're not comfortable with, if you're at risk, you ring me and I will come and get you whatever day it is, whatever time it is, wherever it is, I will come and get you. And I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm going to (laughs) cry. But that's what parenting is about. Because... They would tell me, I mean, they tell me now, we had a party at the weekend and the lads were telling me things and I was like, I'm so glad you didn't tell me at the time. <laughs> but, you know, if they were ever at risk, they could safely, and they would have, but they never, as far as I'm aware, put themselves in any danger. But I guess that's the thing. But if the you're... opportunity for me, I was there to protect them. That's yeah. my role. Mm-hmm. Telling them off kicking off but these girls had been raped because they couldn't ring their mum because they shouldn't have been where they were so they got raped if that's not an indication to to follow that you know safeguarding advice um just i I don't know what to say to people Mm -hmm. i think so i feel like my parents if i was in trouble they would have come and got me um, but there was always still something inside me that was like, I can't let them see who I really am because I'm not very nice. Do you know that kind of thing? Like <laughs> I, sh- I know I shouldn't be doing this. They don't even know I'm here. Yeah. Things like that. So I have an experience where I, was, I used to help the milkman when I was a kid, so from the age of 13 to 18. But you're automatically in quite a grown-up world. 
and I was just a 13 year old so I was surrounded by men who were yeah. talking inappropriately yeah and I once had um a postman pin me up against the wall and like snog my face off basically and I never told my parents this and in fact it only came out after I got divorced when I was in the middle of yoga because I was trying to do some breathing into womb space oh, okay. and then this memory came up that oh this goodness. had happened to me and I never told anyone because I was like that was my fault mm -hmm. I'd been a bit flirty with him yeah and I'd led him on you were a child I was 13 years old you were a child and that see that's the the attitude that we've been fed which is girls are sexualized and it's always the girl's fault and at the age of 13 and, i thought and it was a grown-up a, a child yes yeah, a I child yeah and they 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 say things about children and the teenage girls and i'm like yeah child still a child still a child yeah i don't care what you say still a child doesn't matter what you think. I was going to Tuxedo Junction. Everybody who's over my age will remember Tuxedo Junction in Newcastle. And I'm sorry if they get into trouble, but it's a long time ago and I was 14 and I would go to Tuxedo Junction. I have the ex equivalent in Birmingham. Nobody was safeguarding me. No. I was 14. That's horrific. Mm -hmm. But I would have been a naughty girl because years down the line, my mother was referring to one of my nieces who was in a nightclub age 14 and my mother said is she a naughty girl and meaning is she having sex mm. and I said she's not a naughty girl she's a child and she should be looked after properly yeah. she's neither she's just a child <laughs> yeah and I thought that reminded me back to my childhood when I was clubbing I'm thinking, no, nobody was safeguarding me. Take you near nowhere, I was. Yeah. That's another thing. Just a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just got really good at, like, smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. Like, you think I'm here, I'm actually here. Yeah. We're with that parent who doesn't mind what we do, so we get yeah, away yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yes, um, there's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of probably millennials. A lot of, a lot of men, when they had that whole, um, investigation into childhood sexual abuse a few years ago there would have been a lot of men in this area thinking oh my god yeah <laughs> i hope she doesn't come forward i know i remember hearing a statistic a little while ago where it was like one in four women have been abused in some way and i was like is that all that's the reported figures but it's in reality it's going to be like probably when every you when you see met. statistics you have to realise that that is the minimum because that is the reported. So, the for reported, example, yeah. um, 30,000 women a year are murdered on the planet because of partner or ex-partner. That's the ones that have been categorised as partner or ex-partner. What about all of the women who are murdered and it looks like suicide? What about all of the women who are murdered and they don't categorise it as a partner or ex-partner? What about all the suicides why are women committing suicide? What about all the attempted suicides? 30 women a day attempt suicide. 20% of teenagers are in or have been in abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. So can you talk us through, I guess, 
like what we need to look out for okay red flags and red flag yeah what at the red flags should we not run through please <laughs> You know that song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know that song. Yes, I do. I keep oh, yes, I do. Through those red flags. Mm, yeah, I know it's bad, but it do do do. I yeah. Sing song. yeah, it's quite scary, isn't it? But things, red flags. When somebody cracks a joke at your expense. So then you say, "Well, that's not funny." And you're hurt. If somebody you care about, you know, when you start a relationship and you feel you have hope, don't you? Mm -hmm. I hope this works and, and he's lovely or she's lovely. And, and then something happens and you've got these little rose-coloured goggles on. And when you've got the rose-coloured goggles on, all the flags are red, so it's, you just don't know. Yes. But if you have somebody crack a joke at your expense and you say, I don't think that's funny, and you feel quite hurt... And then if they say to you, I'm really sorry, I didn't realise. And they take that on board, that's fine. Because you could be talking to somebody who that's an, they're normal in their home, where in their surroundings, where people say nasty things. That might be their normal. And I'm not saying every bloke's a red flag when he does a red flag. It's not true because they can be educated. I've spoken, I did some work in Sunderland and we had mixed gender group. And that was great. But if somebody cracks a joke at your expense and then you say oh, it wasn't funny and they say, oh, you've got no sense of humour. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. Yeah. And then you explain to them why it's not not nice. And they say, oh, you just can't take a joke. Yeah. You stop seeing them. Like, that's it for me. The I'm at an age now I'm pretty brutal. <laughs> I wish I knew this when I was 14. Yeah. <laughs> but... Stuff like that, where somebody says something at your expense. Or a backhanded compliment, for example. So you're a brunette, and he says, I usually prefer blondes, but I like you. Backhanded compliment. I don't usually go for older women. Or, I don't usually go for women who've got kids. And that, I, that was real for me, because I got three kids, I was a single parent. And I I've had that experience yeah, too. I wouldn't, ha I wouldn't entertain somebody. It's a privilege to meet my children. Yeah. And it's a privilege I wouldn't be affording that person. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really careful. Because we all want love. Yeah. We all want those relationships. Also things like, you know that there's a technique where you mirror somebody's behaviour. Um, that's really scary. So saying... When you meet somebody, you know, when you, you go and have a date and it's your first date and you, um, well, what kind of things do you like? And you're, you're getting to know each other, what you like and what you don't like and the music that you like and the food that you like. Well, if you're with an abuser, that is an intelligence gathering and they will try to get you to trust them and tell them things that you wouldn't normally say to people. If you're with an abuser, they will use that down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, for example, you've had some mental health issues, you've got a had a period of depression, down, and you you disclose that to them, they will say down the line, oh, well, she's crazy, you know, she's had depression, she's had anti um, antidepressants, blah, blah. So stuff like that. So when you're with somebody initially, be careful. It's really actually quite difficult because you want to trust somebody. You don't want to think, this is a potential abuser and I'm going to have to be really careful about what I say. But if somebody is you know mirroring your behavior like 
my first date with my current husband, um, we were talking about, he loves, or he has a very eclectic taste in music, and I'm a big Bee Gees fan. Okay. Okay? Yeah. If he had turned around to me and said, well, I love the Bee Gees too, how amazing is that? I would have left. You'd be like, no, you don't. No chance. That is nonsense, isn't <laughs> it? You, you know, no. I love the Osmonds. If he'd said, I love the Osmonds. I'm the youngest of a big family. So my older siblings, my sister loves Donny Osmond. So I love the Osmonds. I've met some of them. <sighs> so if my, the date that I was on had said, oh, well, I love the Osmonds. They're amazing. I would ask them to sing some of their songs. Go on then. Yeah, go on. Then. Have a cry. What do you know? Yeah. Because they'll, they'll mirror. Yeah. They'll mirror. And you feel like that, that this thing about the whole twin flames, you know, like your soulmates oh, and so all of that. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. Just be careful about what you're disclosing at the beginning. And be careful when somebody says, I've never met a woman like you. You're not like other women. Because that is an absolute diss on all of the other women on the planet. Exactly. And the most important thing, if you're a woman, is to be hanging out with uh, other women. Yeah. And know you try because when women come together, the energy is phenomenal and mm -hmm. amazing. And you need that support. And it's not sexist. It's just women need other women to help them through all the things that women have to put up with. And yeah. I'm not talking about domestic abuse. I'm talking about, you know, periods and Be body alive. stuff and boob pain and just being female. Mm -hmm. yeah. One thing I would add to your list that I've noticed is that kind of um, over, over giving of gifts. Love bombing is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And that like. Because it doesn't just have to be gifts. I mean, that for me, I was like, this couldn't be a bigger red flag because this is weird. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, just being... Speed is a good one. What's that? Speed. S not giving speed, obviously. No, that's a drug. But going quickly, like, yeah, love like bombing. So trying to get you to think, wow, this is amazing. This guy's fantastic. And if you have come from a former relationship, and it's really hard if you're a, a single mum, it's... A, I, do, I look back at that time and I think, how on earth did I do that? Mm -hmm. My childcare bill was more than my mortgage and I was working full time and had to have a business to pay for the, the hobbies and the piano and stuff like that. Yeah. So if somebody is over-egging it, that's what you would call it if you were a nana, wouldn't you? You would say over-egging the pudding, carrying the pain. If somebody's over-egging it, that's a red flag. Love bombing is a common strategy. So dangerous is speed, getting things moving really quickly. Because if you have been in an abusive relationship and you've managed to survive that, and then somebody comes along who is showering you with gifts and giving you loads of attention, well, he looks way better than the one that you've survived from. Of course he does. And then down the line you're thinking, oh, bloody hell, I've done it again. Because mm -hmm. he's horrible too. And you've just been sucked into that because you need it. You need that love. That you need that attention. Yeah. You need the sex. Mm -hmm. So they're love bombing you and moving it really quickly, wanting sex really quickly. You know, there's nobody more loving than a narcissist who is homeless. <laughs> That's the truth. So they will go full on speed. Getting I say to young girls and the lads, don't get pregnant. Don't get anybody pregnant. Because once you've got that child, you are in a relationship of some description forever. Yeah. So 
you know, use a condom. Kids don't, what's happening? I was a teenager in the 80s when HIV was, you know, it killed you. Yeah. And it's still there. Mm-hmm. Kill, kids need to be more careful. But don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Don't get anybody pregnant. Because women can be abusive too. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind, like my experience is at the, the end of the scale where it's crisis point. The book's talking about the beginning before it's even started. Yeah. So it could be anybody who's been abused, anybody can abuse at that level. Yeah. But if you address it at the beginning of the relationship and say, hey, don't talk to me like that. Don't st- say stuff like that. That makes me unhappy. And they just disregard you. If you put your boundaries in place, lots of people don't even know what boundaries are. You set your standards. are still learning. Yeah, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? You know, yeah. I would say write down what your non-negotiables are in a relationship. And if they step over the non-negotiables, that's not the relationship for you. And there are literally billions of people on this planet. And that one person is not the only person that you're going to meet. Mm-hmm. There are literally billions out there who would treat you better. Yeah. If somebody's being mean to you, if somebody's making you cry, if somebody's, you know, being full on and then full off yeah. and switching it off, not responding to your messages, just bin them. Just don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. But going fast is a real danger. Getting pregnant is a real danger. Isolating you from your friends and your family. So you go out and you go to the loo while you're out with your mates and you, you this date that you're with as a group and then you come back and he says your best friend was flirting with me while you're at the toilet or things like your mum doesn't like me but come to mine because I don't want to go around to yours because your mum doesn't like me mm. so isolation is a killer quite mm. literally yeah and I think like I guess because we see it in the in portrayed in the media at crisis point people can often think well why why are they stayed why have they let it get to this point okay why do they stay why do they stay because in a in an established relationship where there's abuse leaving is the most dangerous thing to do because if you look at the research the point of separation is the time where you're more likely to be murdered than not yeah and if you're in an abusive relationship you know that because your abuser will have said to you, if you leave me, I will kill you. If you leave me, I will kill myself. If you leave me, I will kill the children. So they know. Apart from the fact, I do not have, and most people don't have, a spare house to move into, just like that. Let's just pack a bag and go to our spare house. Doesn't happen. Financial abuse is massive. Yeah. I always say to women, when you are planning your family, doesn't matter what your relationship is like now because things can go pear-shaped anyway and you decide who's going to look after the baby um, most women go on reduced hours working after they've had kids and, and that's still that's still a thing mm-hmm. and you're financially dependent on the other parent and that's fair enough if that's what you've agreed but I would strongly advise women while you're calculating the family budget Always include 100% pension contributions, even if you've gone reduced hours. Make up your pension contributions. So when the time comes and you retire, if you have stayed together, uh, everything's hunky-dory. You'll have a fantastic retirement because you'll both have 100% pension. Because the majority of women who are 
separated and single parents are living in poverty in this country. But keeping your pension contributions up, will it give you, give you at least some buffer against mm. that for down the line? And it's just about being realistic about money. Yeah. Because that's what we do. I committed career suicide when I had my first child. I went reduced hours. I cut my pension. He went on to get promoted, get promoted. And then we split up. And it was like, Same well, you know, thing. here I am. You know, I've made those mistakes as well. And that's just a bit of advice. Keep yeah, your, finan I did keep your finances thing. right. And also have... Um, a separate account. Yeah, like I sure completely relied money, on my yeah. ex-husband for everything. He was the earner. I stopped working that. for ten years. Mm -hmm. Then you get divorced, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh shit, I need a yeah. job." S suddenly you're sixteen again. You've got bugger all in the bank. And I've still got the financial brain of a skint twenty-five-year-old because mm -hmm. yeah. I never Financing. needed to. He financial came along abuse and rescued me. Is huge, and that doesn't even hit the radar of. Um, crisis point that doesn't you know financial abuse doesn't hit the the police the criminal justice system it's just a thing so you don't necessarily need to be threatened with death to not want to leave you can just feel trapped because you don't know what finances there are yeah um and yeah you don't know how you'll get out it's really difficult to leave. You have to plan, and I would say, because separation, especially in abusive relationships, I mean, separation's hard enough in a non-abusive relationship when you just mutually agree that you, you don't want to be together again, and that's hard enough. But if you've got abuse in the background and you're fleeing abuse, you need a really good plan. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest you sit down with somebody who's worked in the field of domestic abuse, like contact Women's Aid or something, and come up with a plan so you can leave safely yeah instead of and definitely do not 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 do not tell that abusive person that you are leaving them because that's the risk that's a huge risk mm -hmm. i mean if you read um jane monkton smith professor jane monkton smith is a retired police officer and she wrote yes, a I've book called her. in control and yeah. it's about how abusive relations follow a pattern mm-hmm um, I would advise everybody, every police officer should read that. Every police officer should read Be Kind, No Excuses by me. Yeah. Because cops go to crisis point incidents. And when they get there, things might have calmed down. But if you understand what the red flags look like, you will better understand where that victim is coming from. Yeah. Not all domestic abuse ends up with somebody getting arrested. And it's because not every not every incident results in in a in a crime, and women will ring the police before they get hit, and then the cops get there and they go, "Well, you haven't been hit. Well, well, what do you want her to do? Wait until she is hit before she phones." Yeah. Or no. Crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's so I guess if you're often dealing with people who are very charming and yeah. Um, just really good talkers yeah and the other person's um and usually confidence level is on the floor yeah. I've, i experienced and people know this um you get a different service depending on how you present as a victim so if you present as crying frightened you get a better care than if you present as kicking off fighting back drunk you know 
you get a much worse service. If you're a woman who's consumed alcohol, well, you're just a, you're just a pisshead, aren't you? And certainly if they turn up and you are... Um, well, people who take drugs, drug addicts, alcoholics, don't ring the police. They just have to suffer without that intervention because the police turn up and there's drugs paraphernalia and then the police go, oh, drugs! And that changes the focus of the whole incident, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely So does. people who have those difficulties in their life don't get the service at all because they can't call. Hmm. So, I mean, you talked about Sue's book there and I, that's at the very start of it. She talks about that question, why do people stay? But um, I, from the research I've done around it, there's a thing around like not even realising you're in one. Yeah, because a lot of people think that if you're not getting this hit, is normal. if you're not getting hit, you're not in an abusive relationship. Yeah, and there's a psychological abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. I mean, I talk to women who are older women who don't even know that sex in marriage is not mandatory and yeah, can be forced on you. Because it used to be. I mean, a lot of women are raped and think that well, this is you know I have to do my duty. And like, how horrible is that? I don't understand any man who wants to have sex with somebody who does not want to have sex with them. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just what? <laughs> it's just like mad. But that's what happens. You know, I'm, I need to I need to have my sexual urges dealt with and you are the hole that I'm putting it in. And that's basically what it boils down to. And a lot of women don't realise that that's not okay because they haven't been taught mm-hmm. any different and not being hit it's just the way it is I mean I'm surprised women hold it together half the time it's just, and then they go to the doctors and say I'm depressed and they're not depressed they're just married to somebody who's making them desperately unhappy by being abusive and having that sense of entitlement yeah but that's the patriarchy isn't it Mm-hmm. That sense of entitlement. I will do this. Well, I'm the breadwinner and I bring the money in. Now, in my house, I'm the breadwinner. I would never say that to my husband. Never. It wouldn't occur to me. Why would I? It's their entitlement that does it. Yeah. And then all the unpaid care is like... Well, oh, God. It's the very least you should be doing. <laughs> Don't just talk about the care. gender gap. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, there's a lady I know, and she's got a, a massive Facebook group called Bridging the Gap, and it's full of really young women who are in in marriages and relationships, and they have kids. And you know, anybody who's got kids and plays on an Xbox, what are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't you bathing the kids? Why aren't you feeding the kids? Why are you sitting on an Xbox for hours and hours and hours while everything around you is done? What is that's not a relationship and this goes on and on and on like absolutely horrific and these mm-hmm. are young young women i mean there's gender differentials you know what we put up with as older women but young women are putting up with husbands who play on the xbox while they do absolutely everything else in the house all the childcare because you know I'm going to stay at home. I'll go to work. So I come home after an eight hour shift and I will just look after me and play on a game. And you can do absolutely everything because you don't actually bring money in. Money is not what it's about. 
care is what it's about. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't afford her on their wage most of the time. Couldn't afford her. They should bill the husband at the end of the week. Does he bill? No. No. 15 quid an hour minimum? <laughs> minimum. <laughs> minimum. What, to clean dirty, uh, like wipe a dirty bottom of a small child? I would charge £25 a time. Per bum. Per bum. <laughs> every time. And there's a bill at the end of the week and he can't afford his own wife. And he plays on the Xbox because he brings the money in. Mm -mm, No. It's just disrespect. Well, that's the bottom line, isn't it? And I think everybody's like... I don't want to be here with you, almost. Mm -hmm. You're here because this is a house and I can sleep here and I can stick this in you when I choose. And I am your third child. Yeah. I would (laughs) rather be... Well, obviously I was. I was a single mum. I'd rather be a single mum than be married to a person and still be a single mum. Yes. Because really that's what was. I think that's the glimpse that you get when you've been married, then you get divorced and you have that like, oh, I actually got a bit of time back because I'm... Stress free. ...of not looking after this extra person. So then actually when you go into your next relationship, you're like, I need to be really careful that you're enhancing my life and not making it harder. Absolutely. And it's not an easy pattern to spot because it might be a bit further down the line you're like oh we've been dating for a year and I've just realized that you come in and take the piss out of my food or yeah like I've been at work all day I've picked my kids up sorted them out made your tea Mm, are you enhancing my life and you're exactly right enhancing it is the most important thing isn't it because what what's the alternative you don't have to be in a relationship why is now you can just go and pick somebody up shag them and then if that's what you need just go and do that you never have to see them again that's fair enough if that's your choice but you don't have to get into a relationship with somebody who disrespects you no especially when you're a single parent you are paying the bills exactly and how many men we have a department in government to to chase up absent parents there's an actual government department to do that in the UK. I find that appalling, where you have to take a parent and say, this is your child or these are your children. Now you have to financially, you know, support them because the, the relationship's in. There's a bloody department for it. That's crazy. Why don't they just do what they should do? Because they've got no shame. They've got no honour and they have no integrity. Yeah. But respect's a big one. Mm-hmm. Love will come and go throughout the relationship. But as long as you respect each other, that will sustain the times when you think, oh, God, I'm going to kill this person. Because <laughs> we all do it. Like, look at them and you go, I love you very much, but God, I could kill you. Yeah. I still respect you. I still respect you. And I'm not going to stab you because I respect you. That's a really nice way to end because I feel like um we not that I would ever ever stab my husband no of course not not today no there are times <laughs> you might think about it but yes I yeah, think of course he probably thinks the same yeah of course we're all human yeah um it's not what you say it's what you do yes yeah so Action when somebody says I love you but then punches you or punches the wall beside you which is probably worse terrifying yeah I'm never going to hit you again well he hit me once the end yes I'd always leave after the first lie because it's probably not the first lie yeah you've just caught the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. exactly mm. well this has been an amazing chat thank you so much thank Rini. you for having me and where can we find you online uh, repeasum.com lovely and um, then we've got your book 
it's social just, is there be kind no excuses be kind no excuses underscore kick on instagram and tell me quickly about your um retreat oh the women only wellness gathering it's it an amazing annual event so i met a lady who's got a a charity where she works with women who are in recovery from substance abuse and obviously i work with people who are some of the people i've worked with have been in abusive relationships but it's mostly i'm about teenagers so we created a gathering for women and it's an annual event women only wellness and we bring together lots of women in business who run self-care you know well-being type businesses so we've got all kinds like yoga reiki sound baths which are amazing you know we do a bit foraging we have a lady from gosworth who comes and does a hula hoop workshop all all kinds of anything because you know if you said what what would you like to do what's your self-care lying in a bath with a book and candles is not my self-care that is actually my torture and it's about finding what your personal self-care is. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. We bring women together who deliver workshops on a campsite in North Yorkshire, and it's fantastic. But we've this year decided to do one for men as well. So Escape for Men is a one-day event on the 1st of June where we're doing pretty much the same thing, workshops for men, to let them find what their well-being is Perfect. because this you know men, men's mental health is very important the suicide mm-hmm. rate in the northeast is shocking so we're bringing men into it now and where can people find information if they those? just go on eventbrite okay. or go on the website it's all on there okay great and we'll link to that in the show notes as well thank you very much thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it thank you cheers all right then thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next time for another episode of happily ever after with me hannah harvey It would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you have a friend who might enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me either through Instagram at Mumsdays or my website, mumsdays.com. 